you are cordially invited to the manor in the woods, where an evening of discussion is being held by the O'Brien siblings. Catherine, the encyclopedia, Carolyn, the bookworm, Madeline, the wild card, and Mackenzie, the eclectic. Join them in the study where there will be talk of murder, robbery, deception, and conveniently cloaked figures. So get cozy, pour yourself a cuppa, and join us for mostly murder. But sometimes not. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Mostly Murder But Sometimes Not, a podcast where four siblings gather together to talk about mysteries, whodunits, and other things of that nature. My name is Katie and I'm hosting today and with me are my three lovely siblings. Carrie. I'm Maddie. And I'm Mac. All right. Great job, guys. We got it down. That's so, one yet. <laughs> Truly. So this time we are covering the TV show Ripper Street. Ripper Street ran for five seasons from 2012 to 2016. The first two years it was on BBC and then they dropped it, but it was picked up by Amazon and they did the last three seasons together. It stars Matthew McFadden, Jerome Flynn, Adam Rothberg, and Mayanna Burning. And it's basically a procedural cop show that takes place in Victorian London post Jack the Ripper. So we um, are covering the pilot for this particular episode. So here is a plot summary. You ready? Yes. For those of you who haven't watched this episode, if you have watched it, you can skip ahead two minutes. Or wait Good. and see how long Katie's summary actually goes, because I, I doubt it's running. only two it's, minutes. It's, it's up to a Very few. Very funny. I okay. timed myself, and it was two minutes, so if nobody interrupts me, it'll be fine. All right. You okay. Go. I'll time you, too. <laughs> okay. It's East London, 1889, five months after the last confirmed murder of Jack the Ripper, when a mutilated body of a woman is found in an alley. To alleviate more panic in Whitechapel and to put off journalist Fred Best, Inspector Reed orders her body to be relocated in secrecy to a cell in the Lehman Street police station, where an autopsy is done by former U.S. Army surgeon slash Pinkerton Homer Jackson. The autopsy suggests this is the work of a copycat as the woman was strangled before any mutilation was done. After investigation, the woman is identified as Maud Thwaites, and the detective and D.S. Bennett locate her husband just as an attempt on his life is made. The culprit gets away, but not before Bennett gets a look at the quote-unquote toff in the carriage. Thwaites reveals his wife has been working as a sex worker, and a connection is made to a photography studio through evidence found on her body. Jackson takes a sex worker named Rose to a studio where she has had photos done, and Jackson locates a photo not just of a nude woman, but of the actual act of sex. D.I. Reed, D.S. Bennett, and Jackson go to confront a known sketchy photographer named Crichton and step into a trap. And while they escape, most of the evidence is burned, except a photo of Maud chained around the neck with the toff on top of her and a film strip of a bird. Reed then posits that Maud was killed during the creation of basically the first snuff film. The toff from the photo is eventually identified as Sir Arthur Donaldson, who has gotten away with crimes in the past as he's rich. Things come to a head when Donaldson pays for two sex workers from Long Susan's brothel with counterfeit bills, bills the detectives know come from a fixed boxing game, and those two women do not return. After beating the location of Donaldson's new digs from the boxing match fixer, the police find him in the middle of strangling Rose while Crichton films the whole thing. 
Bennett stabs Donaldson, Rose is saved, and Crichton sets his film and then himself on fire. The episode ends with Inspector Reed admonishing the journalist Fred Best and Chief Inspector Aberline for being so gung-ho and immediately believing this to be the work of the Ripper, instead of investigating alone. Reed states he will no longer look for the Ripper in every evil, and he won't let the obsession blind him to other crimes in the future. The end. Thank you. Nice. All right, yeah. Good. How did I do? Uh, Very well. It was over two minutes, but only just. Okay. Well, I did mess up a couple times. It's like two minutes, ten seconds. Perfect. So basically, that's kind of the pilot, and it sets up, this is like Jack the Ripper, but we're not going to think about him. (laughs) So now I want to know, who has seen any of this before? I have seen the entire series. Okay. Maddie? I've seen none. This was the only, first and only. Mac? Also none, but I always saw the DVD in your giant stack in the bonus room and kept getting, uh, like, curious, but never enough to actually watch the damn thing. Ditto. I, I recommend think I it. have it. I have also seen all five seasons. I feel like this show um, is what, uh, what was the one that we dunked on so hard? <laughs> Murdoch, Murdoch Mysteries. Murdoch this Mysteries. is what Murdoch Mysteries wishes it was. You guys? Yeah, honestly. I have some things to say about that. Later. Is it about the film? No. Oh. Is you it about it the now. fact that the visual design of basically this whole thing is just straight up Sherlock from 2009? Kind of, but literally. It's it's basically... Well, I'll my, we'll get into it in one second. My Here. first note is, this fight feels very Sherlock. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This I Unfortunately, I think this got compared a lot to the Guy Ritchie Sherlock because of the text of the title is literally the exact like typewriter font yeah and then <laughs> the they plan. have like that fight and it's slow motion and they have like yeah. that music that feels very like jaunty plinky plonky yeah dun 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 it's like the piano planks yeah beautiful um but carrie before we get into the show i am interested because watching this pilot again i was like I remember a lot of moments and a lot of visuals from the show, but I don't remember like any really big plots. I don't remember a lot of specifics about characters. I kind of remember something like, do you have a memory of the show or does it like Um, pass over you? Most of it is just like passed out of my memory, but I do remember a few things. Old. We're all old and (laughs) we we can't remember anything anymore. I know. I was like, I... Like, and I know I watched it mostly when it aired, because it was on BBC America, and I think I had it at the time, because, unfortunately, because of the Nerdist, so, like... Well, I remember um, why Inspector Reed has all of those scars. I did remember that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I remembered... Well, Maddie and Mac, do you care about spoilers? No. No. You can say yes. Okay. No. That's fine. I just remember hating... The, there's this whole romance between Bennett and Rose, Rose, but it drags on a lot, and there's a lot of self hatred on both sides. And I kind of was just—I remember being like, "Get over yourselves, yeah," <laughs> and just be in love. Bennett is Bron. Yes. Yeah. So is yeah. Drake. I have his name written down as Drake. Actually, Bennett, his I think first his name, name is Bennett. Is Bennett Drake? Yeah. Okay. I don't think and they I ever think... called him Bennett in this episode. No, they always go by the last names. Yeah, so I was like, who's Homer? 
Who's Bennett? Homer <laughs> so Jackson. I Homer have Jackson. everybody's. Yeah, I know. I know. I That's... read the Wikipedia wrong, and so I wrote down Bennett, and then I just didn't write the rest of his name. Thank God they never like repetitively referred to him as Homer, because I feel like The Simpsons has permanently ruined that as a name that I can take seriously. Oh, man. Homer, the author from Greece, is really sad right now. <laughs> Homer, <laughs> the, the OG author from Homer. Greece. Homer, the author from Greece, can just like choke on a donut for all I care. All I have is he... the big, funny yellow man. Eat my shorts. Eat. <laughs> Homer from Huff Greece had duff. the name for 2,000 years. He can give it up now. Yeah. <laughs> um, to the new Homer of our era. All hail Homer. Have you guys seen stuff from the Simpsons musical episode they've done like recently? No. No. I have Someone seen, posted... I think, one episode of The Simpsons, honestly. Really? That doesn't actually surprise me because my mom strictly did not allow us to watch The Simpsons. No, oh, no. Even when I was in high school, I did it anyway. But that's me yeah. being a rebel. Ooh, I rebel. was there. I was behind Look your shoulder. Out. I was right. the impressionable child that you were poisoning. Oh my God, Katie, you're the reason why Mac is the way he is. Okay, you're let's not welcome. give her a lo- a that much credit. I fucked myself <laughs> up on several other merits. All right. Uh, I think Mac's awesome, and so the world is. Well, like you're welcome, everyone. So no, that's true. We did a good job um, with this one. Aww. The point is, did a good job. They did like himself. a musical thing, and there was like a song that someone posted on mm. TikTok, maybe or Twitter. It might have been Tumblr. It was some sort of social media, but it was basically a song about how in the world we live now, Bart cannot get a job like his dad. And it was so interesting because it was just talking about how like Homer went in, who was not smart, didn't have a degree. And could get this job as a nuclear safety engineer at a power plant. And it's like, if Bart went for the same job now, he'd have to have a PhD in, like, nuclear engineering and couldn't afford to, like, it was just a really interesting song. And I recommend everyone watch it. Okay. Even though The Simpsons is, like, hit or miss. It's always hit or miss. The name Homer Jackson is very American. And guess what? So is Homer Jackson. Yeah, that's true. Did you mean to say Homer Jackson twice in a row? Yeah. Yeah, because that's his name in the show and he's an American. I said the name Homer Jackson is a very American name and so is Homer Jackson, the character. I feel like I <laughs> the don't character understand what you're TV getting show. at. Am I not making sense? So Homer, Homer, I think you're saying Homer is very American, like Homer, Homer Simpson. Jackson is very American, like Andrew, yeah. whatever. So then if you're going to name an American character in a British show, Homer Jackson is a very American thing to do. Yeah. Right? It's like basically him being the um, quintessential American and like having lots of guns and sex and swearing. It's like calling him Billy Roosevelt. <laughs> like, okay. we need to call him an American name. Is he oh, an English weird. actor? Jicks. Huck Ford. I forgot to look it up because I, I wanted to know. How dare you? Katie, you have carte blanche to look up anything you want. I know, but you guys... You gotta like use it. it. You gotta get it all out of your system every, you know, four episodes. <laughs> I have to read every... Sweet Truly, baby Ray's I... Washington. <laughs> I did almost no research for this. All I know is they filmed it all in Dublin. That's it. Okay, but you also know everything about the Ripper. Or you used to. There's probably 10% left. Mm, I'd say like 40. Actually, oh. you know that thing that people say, like, if you had to give a five-minute speech about any topic, what would it be? 
And for me, I was like, I know a lot of random shit about the history of medicine, but nothing like that could be collected into a thing. Mm -hmm. I could probably do five minutes on either the Titanic or Jack the Ripper. Mine would probably be the philosophy of Fallout New Vegas. I believe that. Maddie? The thing that came to my mind was like uh, stroke education for patients. (laughs) Okay. Have Have you been doing those classes? No, I mean, I just had to do it so much. That, that you could I could just, probably like, talk about it. Off the tip of your tongue. Yeah. Carrie? I don't know. I could probably, like, recount the plot of Lord of the Rings or, like, The Mummy. I could talk about how great Brendan Fraser is for a really long time. <laughs> but I could wax that. poetic about <laughs> Brendan Fraser. It wouldn't be, like, a cohesive narrative. It wouldn't be, like, a, a well-structured argument. It would just be a lot of squeeing and, like, wow, <laughs> and oh. can you believe, and if only. Oh, my like God. A lot of that. Brendan Honestly, I, if it weren't for the whole squeeing and wowing, then so I would absolutely, like, want that as a bonus episode. No uh, mystery. Also, just Carrie talking about Brendan Fraser. You know what, American Mac- hero, Brendan Fraser. I'll I'll record it on WhatsApp and send it to you if you promise not to set, put it out anywhere. Not without <laughs> your consent. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay. Um, so anyway, thanks for all that distraction. I looked it up and he is American. Thank you. Yay! Okay, <laughs> so he didn't have a fake accent. I was wondering that because at sometimes it sounded a little weird, but I think it's the dialogue. Yeah. Like, well, the dialogue is really great because like they kind of they have like a shorthand. Like it's it feels like they're speaking in like the dialect of the time, yeah. A lot of there's, the time, there's modern American, and then there's because the, my best example for like history American would probably be Howard Stark from like the first Captain America movie. Anytime somebody talks, I've never met anybody in modern day America who talks like men used to back in like the forties and fifties. Yeah, the bees knees, okay. pajamas. <laughs> there are still some phrases I think we picked up from Grandpa. Get but then, I'll be darned. I literally still say that. I'll be jiggered. I'll Holy. be jiggered. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So like they like the characters when they're speaking, they obviously know each other and they can kind of speak in a type of shorthand, like with each other. But then there's also like the parlance of the day. That that's what I noticed yeah. watching it analytically is how the dialogue and the parlance and the the phrasing is different and it was really cool and interesting because it was like it added a fresh element to this procedural that made it interesting like because sometimes period procedurals like we've seen in Murdoch Mysteries feel like they're written as modern and then they just have to like throw in a couple things to make it of the time this felt firmly entrenched in its time like there were phrases like i had no idea what they meant and i looked them up and they're victorian slang like (laughs) or just like things that people would have said yeah that by context you understand what they were saying but like yeah not really what it meant and like that's something that if we're comparing it to Murdoch Mysteries, like, this has a fully entrenched feeling where Murdoch Mysteries, we were like, this is very much, like, soundstage. Soundstage, yeah. Clean, yeah. you know, like, this was, like, this was messy, it was... Grimy, you know, it was dirty. Gross. Yeah. 
<laughs> Here's the thing. Some shots felt claustrophobic. I never had that in Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah. Like, this felt fully real. I was obsessed with the ephemera. Like, the papers, the photos, the little notes people would write. The, like, tape that people would use. Like, mm-hmm. it fully lived in it. It felt like our how like mom's house with all of her like papers and shit everywhere yeah that gives it a very lived in active residue from like old posters just left up on the walls yeah or like the things in the police station like all of like the books and like the the chalkboard that they have and like the um the instruments that when homer jackson did his um autopsy just like bucket of like bloody rags yeah yeah it was cool because as we said, I do know a lot about Jack the Ripper because I wrote a play. Was that, that star was basically... thing real? Like carved stars into their faces? No, not really. Like he mutilated their faces, but it wasn't like a specific star. I think that was put in to make it like an easy shorthand because they did release photos of the dead women in the papers as sensationalism. And so it would be an easy thing if they were doing a copycat thing to do that for this show but the reason i'm bringing it up is because when i did my research i bought this like jack the ripper ephemera kit that had like 40 pieces of like replicas of like police reports and letters and photos and all this stuff and it was like so true to what like the show clearly did their research on this era and i think a part of it is because the jack the ripper case was so sensational that so much ephemera from it was kept because yeah. the reason ephemera is called that is because it's fleeting. Like ticket stubs and posters and like stuff like that doesn't last forever. Receipts. So, exactly. CVS receipts. a hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like so, for this show, part of the brilliance of it is placing it in a time where so much of the like stuff was kept, so that you could reference it. Yeah, and, like, the methodology felt really real, too. Like, the way that they were solving the crime, was it felt true to the time. Like, they were talking about, like, directionality of knife cuts. They were talking about, you know, like, the, there wasn't a pool of blood beneath her, so obviously she had been moved. You know, like, scuff marks, like, stuff like that. Um, That weird gelatin on her thigh. Like, they... The methods that they used felt true. They felt And then real. they used methods such as um, beating up people for information. Oh, or yeah. Or like oh, stabbing, yeah. An, a rel- a stabbing an unarmed uh, uh, assailant. Yeah. Yeah. Stabbing someone with a sword. Someone. I know he was actively <laughs> murdering somebody at the time, but the second he saw a dude charging him with a sword, the guy was like, okay, I'm done with my crime, but still got he stabbed. He could have like... He could have, like, hacked at the dude's arm or something. He didn't have to go for, like, the sword through the gut. But they're setting up Drake's, like, he still has a thing. I'm Actually, no, no he might not have met Rose. This isn't point. coming from a point of judgment. This is just me saying, yeah, I mean, yeah, there wouldn't be. There's not much procedure in this procedural. No, there is. There is. Oh, I mean, okay, sorry, completely. no. I meant there's not as much police procedure in this. Like, they don't have to consider as much in this time, day and age. Okay, like As the Maddie rules. said, they can just beat their witnesses. They can just yes. break into places, yeah, yeah, no yeah. warrants. They can, uh, like, accept 
the test actually i don't even know if they necessarily need to collect testimony they just need to say they knew somebody did something i was gonna say it's whoever tells the best story in court if we go by the uh death comes to peverly rules i mean yeah. if, to catch that guy who was both fixing fights and counterfeiting money the cop actively participated in the crime that he arrested the other man for he helped the dude fix a fight yeah like nowadays i think they like undercover police can kind of break some yeah, they can. laws when they they're can't. undercover to so wait, you know keep their cover training day lied to me police can just straight up do like pcp they can i don't think they even have to be undercover <laughs> i think they will no. there's but legally i don't think they can like engage in what's called entrapment which is like this person wouldn't have done this crime if it weren't for the police like asking them to do oh, it yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. whatever but like if like there's somebody like a, an undercover cop is with like a gang or whatever and they're like you have to punch this guy or we won't believe you like he can punch the guy even though it technically would be assault yeah movie I thought, entrapment I think watching this now like when we're in a such a more like aware world me as like a white person like very privileged it was so much uh, it was very apparent how much this show is like copaganda ver and like making the journalist the bad guy mm -hmm. who is just trying to yeah he's trying to make money and he's trying to be sleazy about it but this show he was does, like so clearly like tamper like, with evidence and yeah yeah right like the i don't think he's good. the good guy <laughs> okay but or there's it's the difference it's the difference between like doylist and watsonian like uh, looking at it from okay, within man. the perspective oh. yeah the 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 reporter's a bad guy because he's tampering with stuff but when you look at it from the outside perspective it's the writers of this show want you to think that the reporter is the bad guy and the, po the police who are doing the beating are good guys i think it's yeah. like part of the evolution of the copaganda like in this world you know yeah like that's the formula for a police procedural the police are always the heroes yeah i do find it interesting though real quick because later on in the show like there's different divisions in london at this time of like policing and so there's a lot of infighting because there isn't like one like the met versus the city versus all this kind of stuff and they do bring up like these methods are not okay and but in this particular episode, it it's a little bit jarring to be like, this guy just beats people up constantly. Yeah. I Okay, so bringing it back to the reporter, I just want to say the exact quote that stuck out to me when uh, Edmund, uh, Detective Inspector Reed was like confronting Best about it was he was like you have ruined a lot of people's lives with your faulty reporting and he was like i haven't accused anyone i was just asking questions i just speculated and i just thought like that's big tucker carlson energy right there like i'm not actually <laughs> making anything happen i'm just asking the questions but what do you yeah. think that means what do you just fucking yeah yeah no i get what you're saying mac if and there's some interesting the questions stuff. like are aliens coming down from the sky and or are immigrants coming for your children? I'm just asking questions. I wasn't trying. I was trying to like have a degree of separation. 
you were going for <laughs> kook direction. I was going for guy in sighting yeah, shit the direction. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Bast is uh, not the best. <laughs> <laughs> and 80s outro music. Good episode, guys. Freeze frame. <laughs> you gotta take put your sunglasses on. I don't have any sunglasses um, near me. Um, uh. I want to talk about <laughs> the very Victorian-ness of this because... I think Carrie and I have talked about this before. Anytime like a TV show is in the Victorian era, especially in London, there's like certain topics that inevitably always come up, especially when there's crime. So there's always like something to do with porn, something to do with Molly houses slash like sodomy, like homosexual secrets. And then there's always something about matchstick girls or some other industrial sickness. There's always like opium and stuff. And this episode just, like, straight up dives right into all of the, like, brothels and smut and photos and porn and snuff films. There weren't any gay people, though. I'm surprised a show called Ripper Street One would of the be referential towards stereotypical things. I know, but I thought it was interesting. So it's called Ripper Street. And if you know nothing about it, you kind of expect it to be about Jack the Ripper. And the episode is very clearly stating, like, we're not going to, like... He has nothing to do with this. Basically, yeah. So by the end of the episode is, like, we're not going to, like, look for him in every crime. We're not going to make the obsession with him lead us to do all this, right? But this whole episode was about the kind of, like, smut he exposed in the papers, like, straight up. Yeah, it was about, like, his, his crimes but it wasn't about him right and about what his crimes like let like allowed to be in the open i guess because hallie rubenhold wrote an amazing book called the five and you should read it because most of these women were not just sex workers and like that jack the ripper killed um but that's what they were painted as for basically all of history and so I think this Toff Donaldson guy killing, do you think he killed her on purpose? I think it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm not sure it matters. And I think he was definitely going to kill Rose on purpose. Yeah. I was thinking he might have gotten caught up in it, killed Maud on purpose. And then he's like, I can just use the Ripper. Or Sorry, yeah, by accident. And then just like, I can just use the Ripper because he knows this woman's a sex worker. And he's like, I can just use the Ripper as an excuse. And then he gets the camera guy to like help him out with it. My first note was, um, it's Creighton. (laughs) Yeah. And then I said, uh, or too obvious. (laughs) But it's it's the Sherlock Holmes thing where it's like, obviously it's the dude who looks the creepiest. But not just because of that. I forgot to look him up too, but he was really familiar and I feel like he played it. He was like in Harry Potter maybe? Like he was a creep in something else? I think he worked for Dr. Frankenfurter in uh, Little (laughs) Rocky Horror In my brain, he looks like Pettigrew. Like I have him as like a mouse in something. I haven't looked him up, but I do recognize him as well. 
I don't. Maybe I'll look him up. I mean, there was. We can delve into the acting because I do think the acting in the show is good. Yeah. And yeah. It's it's good because these people are playing complex characters. Because like I, the behavior of Jackson is awful. I don't actually like him. He slaps Susan, even though they clearly have a backstory. And he is such a dick to her. Like, you could just say the words, you know, like, tell her why you want her to go to the police station. You don't have to, like, hit her and drag her out of her own home. You know, also, she didn't need to go. He just needed to take that money and be like, hey, this man paid Susan with this. Yeah. Why did why did she have to be? I mean, it was maybe just to get her in some more scenes. Yeah, she's more, one of the main more film time for one of the only female characters they have. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, this is a very dude-heavy show. and continues This is not a be. show for... Literally, all the women in this episode were... Yes, is uh, not gonna oh, be... Oh, no, I lied. They, f- they follow the archetype that you guys uh, brought up. What was it? The mother, the maid... Mother, the... maid, sex worker... Crone. Mistress... Crone. There yeah. we are. The five. Um oh and sometimes daughter. Yeah. Um yeah. he was in Doctor Who and Avengers and uh Les Avengers. Mis and Man, Chris Evans uh, looks different in this show. <laughs> yeah, right. High layer. He's in a lot. You, the brothers Grimm. Did you buy that mustache? No. Oh man. What did mustache? you want to? I thought it'd be some weird thing you would have bought. No. Wait, what mustache? <laughs> okay. They were selling fake mustaches based on his character in the new movie. Like, There's a that. movie coming out that he's in where he has a weird mustache, and then in the trailer for it, Ryan Gosling's character calls it a trash stash. So Netflix was like, cool, we're going to have fake mustaches and sell them. Mustache is out. way better. What? What? Mustrash. Oh, you're that is <laughs> way better. Okay, that's amazing. Um Pay me. <laughs> so one thing Here's that kind of some... stuck out for me and this thing immediately when we started watching was so Jack the Ripper in this show happened five months ago. Like the the last of his murders was five months prior. And they were already having, like, crime tours of that. Because on, on one hand, I'm like, that's uncouth and pretty bad. But on the other hand, I'm over here like, we saw O.J. Simpson's car in a crime museum. And I'm pretty sure they have they still have, like, poverty tours where they just take buses full of rich people through the areas of New Orleans that never recovered from Katrina. There is a lot of debate in museums and tourism world about this exact thing of like true crime tourism and like what is like venerating versus condemning versus historical versus because like okay so we talked about jack the ripper being sensationalist people were doing jack the ripper kind of tours before he was even done killing the canonical five (laughs) like people were visiting these sites any people still visit these sites i myself have gone on a jack the ripper walking tour at night in Whitechapel. like this was 10 years ago yeah but and you I, know he's not out there that's now. true unless that was vampires a little... are real <laughs> well maybe he just went somewhere else 
Maybe that's why no one caught him, because he's a vampire. But, like Mac pointed out earlier about the OJ thing, like, they talk about this too with Ted Bundy, because he has a lot of ephemeral, like, stuff out there that people collect. Gacy has a lot of stuff out there that people collect. It's this weird obsession. And so that's one thing I really liked about this show, is that it starts with this, like, kind of disgusting tour obsession with ripper but the end of the episode is like that's not what this is about maybe the title got you interested but we're going to be exploring the rest of victorian crime and we're not going to talk about this guy yeah like they do a lot of character work in this which i really like like all of the characters have these like intense traumatic histories and uh various motivations for things and um you see them kind of they're not it's not like one note performances from all of these actors like they get to kind of play around with motivations and actions and um stuff like that which i really like i'm kind of going off that i like how like everybody has that and they kind of use that to um, give, like, the sex workers, like, pasts and, like, make them complex characters instead of, like, this is a sex worker and this is their role to be killed. Yeah. And they do go on in the show or to, to show their titties, that, like, more. Yeah, the show had a lot of boobs in this episode. Mostly dead, though. Um, <laughs> I know. Like, oh. really bad. I think they tried to balance that out because when you first see Jackson, he's like going down on a sex worker. Yes. You're like, see, the men do stuff too. But yeah, I still wasn't like, um, oh, I had something to say about that, but I forgot about the dark Com- past. Oh, no, was it about uh, Reed's or Drake's maybe? Well, just about the fact that like, you can already tell that these people have trauma in their past and how it informs oh no i remember the other thing i think is interesting and while this is still definitely a propaganda show it starts with the very real massive failure of the london police force because this person killed definitely five women and as many as 11 women historically that they have said might be ripper victims and he was never caught it was never very clear on who he was and i kind of liked that they played with the fact that one of the reasons like aberline really wanted to be the ripper is because he has such a sense of guilt and failure yeah do you like how they kind of yeah. like brought that um it like showed the effect of that failure um uh, in like it because it is a cop show of all the cops who uh, you know, actually did fall, fail. Who were the real yeah. victims, Maddie? Well, <laughs> but they they showed it with the sex workers too. Like Rose was like, I thought it was safe again. You know, like yeah. all of these women were like they they need to survive somehow, and this is how they make their living. Yeah, is, at some point, uh, Jackson was per- like, Yeah, you don't have to search the the Johns for knives anymore. Mac, you just interrupted Carrie. <laughs> I am sorry. It's okay. He can't see me right now, so that might be part of it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. Um but th- yeah, they were they're just trying to make their living and 
having to do it in like such a dangerous situation like you they still have to go out they still have to um try to earn money and knowing that they could be like a target and it kind of reminds me of uh the pandemic in the beginning how it was all like the low-wage workers who still had to go out to work every day like wearing a mask knowing that they were putting themselves at risk of getting covid so what you're saying is covid is jack the ripper we talked about the mystery already really so Unless someone else has something major to talk about, we can head right into notes. Um, I mean, the mystery, they find a dead woman. The, the, yeah. You know what? Um, the film thing is interesting because it did, like, when I was watching it, it sparked that Murdoch Mysteries thing where it was like, oh, a fancy futuristic invention that actually, has something to do with this. And I have do you have that fun- note? I have a fun fact, actually, about what they were talking about. So, yeah, Murdoch Mysteries, ooh, cool, fun, new invention. But they specifically mentioned a guy by name. Uh, uh, Detective Inspector Reed mentioned Louis Le Prince as somebody Mm -hmm. who was working on a piece of celluloid film. That's real, actually. Uh, Louis Le Prince was a Frenchman who was considered the actual father of cinematography. Fuck you, Edison. Uh, I thought it was Millet. Milieu, whatever. Uh, basically, uh, Louis Le Prince was. He had an interesting His. one where instead of having one camera that kept running film through it and taking it at intervals, he actually had a box that kind of had a similar setup, but with like nine cameras all sticking out of a relatively similar location. And the reason why I find Louis Le Prince all that interesting is not only did he predate any film camera that Edison supposedly invented. But he also, notably, disappeared. 1890, the last time he was seen, was onto a train in Paris, and then nobody ever saw the guy again. Edison kill him. Edison took him. Edison kidnapped him. That's one of the the conspiracy theories. Where have I heard about this? Uh, this Did they was, do this on uh, Puppet History? Unsolved. Oh, I was like, I, I feel like I've heard this. But anyway, it yeah, was one of unsolved. Edison's guys killed him was uh, a conspiracy theory. Uh, Louis Le Prince was actually gay and he was just going away to his lover was another theory. Another one was just that Louis Le Prince uh, died by suicide because he was racked with debt and his invention wasn't working as well. In 2004, they actually found some evidence that a guy fitting his description was fished out of the Seine like four months at uh, like shortly after this guy was supposedly disappeared. But if it weren't for his disappearance and for the fact that while Louis Le Prince's family was litigating to consider him as like the inventor of this film camera during that litigation, Edison released his camera and was then considered the father of cinematography. Was his first video um, of titties. No, it was actually. Of I was his kind family. of wondering about this. Uh, like in the show, are they saying that this is the first invention of video? No, actually, uh, Louis Le Prince's disappearance predates this show by about eight years. Okay. No, it doesn't. Okay. This yeah, is 1889. Yeah, 1889. he disappeared in 1880. 
Oh, I thought you said 1890 earlier. Sorry, 1880. 1880. Sorry. Okay. Then you are correct. Maddie, I think it's a, a like a concurrent thing. Like there were multiple people kind of coming up with the same idea. But if Louis the Prince did it first and then... Da- no, she means specifically other... porn. Yeah. Right? Well, porn is the mother of invention. <laughs> like flip books, Nickelodeons, like all that stuff was basically developed for porn first. Kind of like how war is like a home for the advancement of medicine thought um, you were gonna say for the advancement of porn and i'm like uh okay. no like wow. most, a lot of medical advancements <laughs> happen because uh, of war i think a lot man. of technological advancements happen because of porn um, but what i was gonna max sorry i just Max just gonna keep I'm, going huh uh, no, I just love I don't the like that Mankind he gets to talk about stumbles porn. stumbles into the future <laughs> cock first, and that's just funny to me. Oh, <laughs> gross. Uh, that's carrier. sad. Are you still there? Okay. I'm still here. Um, You don't have anything to say about anything I've said? In the last you said that was sad. <laughs> I did. <Yeah>. Sad. <laughs> um, I Women do could talk do so about... much better. For real. We should rule we the should world. Just... Make porn for each other and then run the world. Invent dinosaurs so dinosaurs eat men. Oh, totally. I I have that sticker right here. You guys, ah, beautiful. Someday I'm getting that tattoo, you guys. Dinosaurs eat men. Women inherit the earth. Women inherit the earth. Um, I did like the the crime. Excuse me. I did like the crime scene photography thing. And him understanding, like, okay, the people are clamoring at the end of this lane. I cannot protect this crime scene. I just want to get pictures of all these angles. Because then we basically have to abandon it. And it was kind of... I was curious because I knew photography existed. But it seemed like a little convenient in Murdoch Mysteries for him to have this handheld camera. He could take multiple photos on the scene very quickly. And I did look this up, and this was accurate, but also, we've talked about um, that French guy, Bertillon, like the guy who kind of created the standardized mugshot, and apparently, right around this time, like 1890, he presented at the Paris, like, World's Fair and some other stuff about standardizing crime scene photos, and so his work is mentioned, I know, later by Detective Reed. Because he standardizes how to take mugshots and he standardizes how to take crime scene photos by collecting all the different angles and stuff like that. And I found that really cool and interesting. And the fact that Reed is very smart. And he's the one who he knows that Crichton is not developing that one photo correctly. Mm -hmm. He knows that that gelatin is something this photography stuff like i do like that he and it's shown later in the show but i like that he clearly keeps up with modern technologies and in modern advancements and like crime solving basically yeah he's pretty cool yeah like remember they he creates also like really a, angry a lot <laughs> yeah he creates like a database of cards of criminals which, yeah, he has like a, a card catalog. Yeah, which didn't really exist before then. So. Cool. Well, 
Do we want to get into notes? Sure. Yes. I'm going to start with Mac. All right. Well, good you started with me because I actually don't have much to go off of. One, I do like the fact that they openly acknowledge that Jackson was a Pinkerton because I've actually been getting a little bit into Pinkerton history as of late. And yeah, they weren't really all that bad. Um, I mean, they tried good things and they did do a few good things. They stopped Lincoln from being killed, but mostly it's just a bunch of union busting. And one of them did kill, uh, what was it? Billy the Kid's mom. With a grenade. I kind of love Long story. But it's probably because yeah, they're just wild. They're it's just, crazy. there's, they'd left their grubby little hands and everything in it. It's so interesting to learn about all the parts where they touched. But then on the other hand, you're just kind of like, I love every story about them, but none of them make me like them anymore. Yeah. They're almost like vigilantes with badges. Sort of. Basically. Yeah. So cops. Next. Uh, <laughs> we have, uh, one thing that was incredibly unfair was, uh, what was it? Chief Inspector Fred Aberline looked at the guys who were inspecting the body of this young woman and basically told them, get me proof that it's not Jack the Ripper. And that feels incredibly unfair. Because that means Aberline, Aberline didn't need to prove that it was Jack the Ripper in the first place. He just assumed based on the correlation between this crime and the prior ones but that's a, a it's a logical fallacy to say until i'm proven wrong i'm right yeah it's like proving a negative like it's impossible to do yeah Except exactly. in this explain, case it was possible they explain why he wanted that cuz he wanted another shot at his failed attempt to kill or to catch his jack the Ripper. white whale yeah he is one of the only cops who actually is a real cop. Inspector Fred Aberline was a real Victorian detective who was really on the Ripper case and he really was disgraced because he didn't find him. So I think they're using that historical context as like part of the basis of his whole deal. Also, uh, final note, I don't know if this was a specific reference to anything or if it was just a prop that they had on board or like a just something that they wanted to shout out. Uh, the box that they found all of the smut in, in the photographer's lair, uh, the one with the hollow bottom, that one had a label on top from the 7th Hussars. Hussars? I don't know what the exact pronunciation Hussars. is. But Hussars. But it is... I don't know, I'm making that up. That's, that's an actual, like, regiment of, like, British soldiers. And it often was often had royals and nobles in their employ. So I don't know if they're like subtly trying to imply like he got the box from Sir What's-His-Face, the bad guy who got stabbed with a sword. Donaldson. Yeah, Donaldson. Or if it was just kind of like, yeah, we got a prop over here that we can break and it's got seventh hussars on it. Might as well just shove a bunch of shit down there. Uh, These people feel like they're a little bit more careful than that. So... Yeah, I just I like the notion that their their world building is so niche. Their props have call outs to significant historical events. It just felt like a very small, <laughs> very like, hey, 
Everything in England is very old and they reuse shit all the time. So here's a crate from some random British regiment that was established in the 1680s. Yeah. Again, Have fun. This show, like Katie. This show? Hey. This show was occasionally called out because some of the stuff seemed too modern, but it turns out it was like the Tiffany problem, mm. which I know Mac knows about. Yes. I think Carrie and Matt, have you heard of that? Yes. You you introduce it, Katie. Well, basically, it's the fact that the name Tiffany has existed since like the 13th century. But if you named a character Tiffany in like 1602, everyone would be like, that's way too modern of a name. Just because like the way that it exists in our world now, it seems like it's new or it's well, it's like 80s or something, you know. Or you breakfast at Tiffany's. (laughs) Yeah. But it is truly old. So. Very old. Sometimes like the. So for instance, the sign painting on the Brown Bear Pub looks way too quote unquote modern and clean. But sign painting back then literally was that and it was a job and people were very clean and precise with their lines. So. There were occasionally times where people called it out for being too good or like too new. And the producers had to be like, mm, you're wrong. Be like, <laughs> this is wrong. Uh-uh. I also Basically, like, yeah. I, I like any representation of history that scrubs away the sort of clean, like, I don't like how much history has been scrubbed clean of all the like nuance and horrible shit. It just feels like very reinventive. So anything that shows history in a very like, hey, your grandparents were also licentious little bastards. Then I'm I'm a yeah. happy guy. I'm just over here being like, yeah, guess what? You don't get to pretend that you're some sort of like moral high ground here, people of the past. I know everything about you. Mozart was into poop. There were a lot of dick drawings in those old man like manifestos from like the 1100s when people were just hand printing a bunch of Bibles around. And yes, 1800s, we invented porn. You know who also printed porn? Pope Pius II. <laughs> Boom. Gross. I could have gone I without the whole Mozart and uh, sorry, invented film porn. Or whatever. I agree with Maddie. I did not need to know that. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things about um, what Medeus, you previously said that I don't <laughs> need to know. Medeus, that Look, was I, Mozart, right? I, I will feel like lift I'm, up the rock of history and show you the grody yes, bugs Maddie. underneath. Uh, I don't want the grody bugs. You know what? You should go to the Museum of English Rural Life and learn some other cool things about <gasps> history. Like yeah. the doodle of a chicken wearing pants from the 1700s. <laughs> it's adorable. Aww. I want it. But does a chicken wear pants this way or this way? It's, look it up. I promise you it's worth looking up. It's great. I actually have seen (laughs) people get tattoos of it. Do they go over the tail? That's everything I got. No, (laughs) they give him a little tail. It's cute. Um, Maddie, what are your notes that we haven't talked about? First of all, that whole Amadeus and Mozart thing. I have in the past gotten um, other people mixed up, and I'm not sure if I have told you this story, (gasps) but we were um, watching this documentary in class um, about Shakespeare, 
and there was an ad before it about um, drummers who were deaf. And someone was like, what does this have to do with anything or something like that? And this was in like a college class. And like, I was like, oh, I know a fact. And I said, um, you know, Shakespeare was deaf when he wrote the last symphony and like zero, <laughs> like nothing, like nobody said anything. And I realized like two hours later, I was like, uh, like, what two did hours? I say? Yes. It was not immediately. It oh, was like, no. it was a way after. <laughs> And I was like, wow, I have lost the respect of all of my peers and um, the professor. And I said it like no so matter of fact. You. No one corrected. Well, everyone was probably like, I don't even know how to argue with this crazy bitch. Um, <laughs> because first of all, it's not Shakespeare. Second of all, it's not the last symphony. Yeah. <laughs> like Shakespeare didn't write symphonies. Yeah, well, know. they were like, what do did, what did people who are, are deaf drummers have to do with Shakespeare? And I was like, mm, you know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's Mac. amazing. So I have a similar story where oh, no. in eighth grade, all of my classmates kept asking me different questions. Like, hey, who's the best basketball player in the world? Hey, who's the best guy who ever played for the Chicago Bulls? Or, hey, who was the guy who starred in Space Jam? And it wasn't until several months later that I realized I had actually kept answering those questions with Michael Jackson, uh, who was oh, not no. those things. <laughs> I look with Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan. I don't. They're both Michael J's. All right. You were in eighth grade. I was they in kept eighth grade. Like, everyone. So they kept asking you different things to be like, yeah, because they you say Michael Jackson. They wanted me to keep answering Michael Jackson. Sounds like bullying. Oh, it was mean. kind of bullying. My 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 childhood is constantly a point where I look back and be like, "Oh, they were being mean to me. They weren't just <laughs> asking me fun questions." Yikes! At least you didn't notice it at the time. I feel like yeah, my classmates I mean, needed to bully me a little bit in that scenario. <laughs> Maddie, you said mm-hmm. you were in college when that happened. Yeah, I needed to be a yeah. little yeah. bit like. Yeah, you should have been a little bullied. <laughs> I Mac, know that you that should has not have been bullied me before, by but... me included, <laughs> and all of us. <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, I Maddie, I have definitely done something like that. I can't remember a specific instance, except <laughs> this wasn't me getting something wrong, but this was me being me and having to be the best. Mm. Did Mister Oh? in eighth grade ever make you take this quiz so in the quiz there's all these like weird questions that was like do this math name this thing but then one of the things was like shout like something out loud and then do this weird thing and like tap three times so like there were audio audio basically like things (laughs) audible thank you things to do throughout this test and the very last question was and oh, sorry, at the top of the paper was like, read this whole test before you start it. Uh. And the very last question was, you don't actually have to do any of this test. So what it was doing was testing people who like wouldn't read the whole thing and just start doing it to get it done. Yeah. And there was only two of us, which included me, who was like, well, I'm just going to do this because I'm really good at tests and I can just do this. And so I just started doing it right away. And at the end, it was me and this other girl, Megan. 
and we both were like wow we're so good at this we're like so quick and then we went to hand it to him and then after like five minutes he like had everyone point out the bottom and me and her were like so embarrassed oh. and i felt so bad that's kind of bullying from, that's also from kind of bullying. it is a little bit bullying but it was a good point of like you need it was his point was like you need to actually read these things and take in the information instead of just assume you know better yeah <laughs> which but he hello doesn't, he doesn't have to have the whole class pointed out to you yeah well, I remember when I, I actually very specifically remember shouting whatever word I was supposed to shout. And then the girl next to me, like, giggling at me. And then I'm like, what? And she was like, nothing. Oh, uh, Carrie, Vega. any microaggressions from your childhood you want to tell us about? <laughs> uh, no, I keep my trauma tamped down, buried deep, and don't look at it ever. So a true Irish woman. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just it Yay. just causes uh, severe depression every once in a while. It's <laughs> <laughs> a future totally quote. I just push all my sadness down where it can fester as a mental illness. Um, so more yeah. implosion than explosion. Yeah. Anyway, so, Maddie, what are your notes? Anyway, um, they're very short. Um, I called Creighton. Uh, well, and then why are they doing this punching? And then they said that why they were doing the punching. Um, and, uh, I forget what was, okay. First of all, what's a toff? I didn't look that up. I think it's um, like a dandy. A fancy I actually man. didn't look it up either. Just like a, a fancy rich. Kind of, but not quite, not quite as like, quote unquote, gay. Cause like okay. a dandy is supposed to be specifically like, Effeminate. obviously gay, but well, feminine. You're absolutely right. Whereas I think a toff is just more like an East London term for someone rich and fancy. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I said he a rich bitch. Um, and I forget <laughs> Literally, that's yeah, why actually. I said that. Yeah. That's there was a specific moment when I had that um, feeling with all of my being. Probably but... when he's um, at the fight and he's like sitting at a table all his own and it has, he has like a candle and like his drink and like he's just like this fancy man in the midst of all of these yelling rough housing men or it might have been the part where they're like uh he did all of this bad stuff and then uh he's basically like queen victoria's best friend or whatever and uh he can get away with whatever yeah um so and then i said yikes though huh whoa <laughs> well that they didn't actually mean that he was Victoria's best friend they were just like it's as likely that she would co- be in, in jail as he would be in jail like I don't think they were actually close. I mean I don't yeah I don't think that's I Maddie just remember I them being the like this thing. is a Victoria thing I mean, he's, <laughs> I had to he's, look a, it up. he's a sir either she knighted him or one of her ancestors knighted one of his ancestors Maddie I thought the same thing and I had to look up because basically what he says is He's as likely to do jug as Victoria, which means he's as likely to go to jail as Victoria. Oh, the do queen. jug. Oh, the, the old to slang. Do yeah. Hey, kids, I was like, don't do jugs. <laughs> exactly. All right, Maddie. Um, and then my last one was just yikes interrogation. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't write a whole lot. I just kind of I think I enjoyed watching it. So enjoyed I didn't it. write a lot. Cool. Plus, I was eating Frosted Flakes, so my hands were, <laughs> were kind of busy. Classic. 
<laughs> well, I mean, they're more than place. good, Maddie. They're great. Oh <laughs> Don't give them free advertising. But they're really good. I mean, they're sugar. Well, they're they're just sugar. sugar. Okay, well, I also don't have a lot of notes because I was watching the show. Am I going next? Or did you want to yes, go? Yes, you are. Okay. You are going next. All right. If you go next, we basically have covered almost all my notes, so. Um, well, the fight was very Sherlock, as I said. I liked the theme song. It really, like, brought me back to the show. Um, mm-hmm. just And the visuals. Yeah. It's it's just, it's very Ripper Street, which, you know, you want your theme song to be identified with your show and be iconic. So that is what they did, and good for them. Um, I really liked uh, Inspector Reed's coat. He had a very good coat. You might even call it a great coat. <laughs> I did like the plaid of it, like that it was not just boring. Yeah. Um, he said, he pronounced it bona fide. Is that how it's pronounced? It's bona fide. It feels like a British thing. Okay. I always thought it was like bona fide. I always said bona fide in my head. Yeah. It's bona fide. I mean, maybe it's like aluminium, you know, like just totally different. Bona fide. That's how he said it. Bona fide. Yeah, I feel like it's derivative yeah. of a different language, so it probably does have a correct pronunciation, but it might be kind of like. What's like a French word that uh is pretentious to oh like to be like um be like mm, I need to get a croissant this morning. Oh. You know? <laughs> I was yeah. thinking hors d'oeuvres because I always just read it horse to horse. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, in my not head, like it's a just fancy thing to say hors d'oeuvres. It's just <laughs> not a, a weird thing to say horse divorce. <laughs> no, it's not horse divorce. Even though this was it's horse divorce it's totally no, it's different horse divorce <laughs> <laughs> okay well, anyway um, broken hoof heart <laughs> hoof heart you guys want to have some you guys want to have some creepies for breakfast no <laughs> what it's creepy paper <laughs> creepy paper <laughs> creepy paper did you see that that just got renewed yeah no five and six for Oh, two more seasons? Yeah. Oh my god. I love that show so much. Um, Matthew McFadden has lovely eyes. He there do. was this one point where like he was in like questioning somebody and the light was like kinda hitting him sideways and it just like lit up his irises in such a gorgeous way. Ugh I think so I good. know exactly the moment you're talking about because I had the same thought. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I like... had the same thought, but I think my brain was like <laughs> Making little tinkling sounds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You always turn down Turkish Delight. Ugh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You should never. Chronicles of Narnia. Okay. Especially back then. Because, best case scenario, you get candy that tastes like a flower. Yeah. Dude, now, Mac, was it you and I who had gotten that like years and years? We and got years ago? actual Turkish delight, and then we started eating it. it and we were like, "This is gross. It tastes like soap. There's no sugar in this. It was all sugar. <laughs> it was like sugar, gelatin, and then flour flavored. It, yeah, it traditionally is rose flavored, I believe. But then you can also get it with like lemon or orange, and those are more tasty. I 
I'm someone who actually likes floral flavors, like rose and lavender or whatever. There's a butt but coming there's after a this. Difference. <laughs> there is, there's a difference between like rose. Coming. I have <laughs> rose flavored candy or like syrups or stuff for drinks and Turkish delight. And I think it's the gelatin because the true Turkish delight doesn't allow for a lot of sugar. So it's just literally like eating rose, like chalky gelatin chunks. It's like literally the gelatin we used to put in our hair, Maddie, for synchro, just with like rose water and like barely any sugar back then because sugar was expensive. And when she said yum, I was like, you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) So much gelatin in this episode. Wait, hold up. They were presented with Turkish Delight blindfolded. So you're trusting a lot of different... You're you're putting a lot on the line for very little reward. Well, I mean, they're probably getting paid a lot. You know what, though? I thought that was a very nice visual metaphor... Or not metaphor, but like visual reminder that these women, like sex workers, have to place all of their trust in this rando person. Yeah. Like when they... When that dude Who else is in the the car? Don't worry about it. Exactly. Like the the creepy guy was there. Like they they could have been in there with like a bunch of severed heads, and they would have never known. Yeah. Like, ugh, not great. Um, I wrote violence against women begets more and more serious crime, because it does. Um, yeah. the episode title comes from Crichton when he's like, "I need light." Because that's what like the tough guy was like. We should make another snuff film, and then he was like, "I don't really want to." But then he acquiesced and said, "I need light." Meaning they had to find somewhere like outside. Well, yeah, but it's just like if you, if yeah, you yeah. think about it, it's you know the um kind of the weakness of man, you might say. Like, the biggest fight he ever put up there is not, I'm not going to help you make the snuff film. It's, I'm going to push off the snuff film until we have better lighting. Kind of. Or just like, I guess I'll do it because you're standing there and you're rich and whatever. And he knows um, that if anything was caught, he could probably blame it on Crichton if the pictures never came to light, you know? I mean, maybe. I think he's not worried about any sort of consequence. That's true. The tough guy. Um, and then, again, I liked his coat. And Matthew McFadden is just doing great work here. Like, that that moment in the end when he's just, like, kind of standing in the alley and he's like, yeah, I'm done with the Ripper. I'm moving on with my life. And then he does. And that was good. I do like him. Yeah. Yeah. Good egg. <sighs> All right. Um, Real quick, my notes that we haven't covered... I do just like that it straight up starts out with some random Victorian guy going like, welcome to Whitechapel. And it's like, oh, you're not going to forget where you are. <laughs> this is called Ripper Street and you're in Whitechapel. Um, we've covered a lot of this. There was one moment where I just was really disappointed when the woman, when Maud, was it Maud? Yeah. Maud was laid out in the cell and um. Aberline or like there was basically three men standing over her fighting and I was just like all these men just fighting over this dead woman woman's body and like not even giving her a thought just reminded yeah. me that the patriarchy sucks yep um I like that they identified her also because she had soot on her and the apparently the only place 
in the city you can get so on you is in the underground. <laughs> which I don't think is true. But it's There's a, good a lot clue, of soot. I guess, yeah. Like, there is a lot of soot. If you are underground and you're running on a coal train, you are going to get covered in soot. Um, I thought it was interesting that this is kind of bringing up... Like, porn has kind of always existed in some form, but this kind of brought up the distinction between, like, nudes, like, nude photography, and, like, porn porn. Because that photo they find of people in the act of sex is something they haven't seen before. And I was like, I've never really had that distinction either, but just obviously with the them, advent. What? Do you think some of them were just disappointed with like, oh God, that's what we look like? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I just yeah, felt like it was interesting. Exist. I was interesting <laughs> to see these the cops like encounter that for the first time, even though in other cultures have had that type of like actual act type drawings and stuff like the Kama Sutra and whatever. But it was the first time they had kind of seen that come up in their work, I guess. I mean, Um, an actual photo of it. Yeah. If you can make art, if you can draw anything, like, people are drawing naked people. Like, it's not (laughs) new. It's like, yeah, cave drawings were handprints and then naked people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I thought it was, this is another thing about the Victorian dialogue is that he mentioned that Thwaite had um, threatened self-slaughter. And I was like, I've never heard that. And it's such a weird visceral like phrase yeah. to talk about that. Um, is So they're basically saying this is the first snuff film, which is really weird. And I... I mean, it would be the, the first one that they know about. That's true. And like I said, there's probably video happening in america and france and stuff too so probably not actually but um the stuff with the gun cotton that was kind of a funny moment for me and it kind of reminded me of like buddy comedies where they're like we'll put the gun cotton around the door and then i'm gonna throw a match and it doesn't work <laughs> the second match doesn't work and then the third match and my friends are like you have to do it this way blah blah, blah. i yeah, just that thought funny. that part was kind of funny they and do they have- like yeah i love that they have some good interaction with the three of them yeah, I do like that this is the show does kind of have the three those three men kind of as one lead unit and then they have like Susan and Rose as like another kind of lead and Jackson kind of goes into there and then Drake goes into you know like but the friendship between the three men is something solid that they they explore a lot which is cool. Well, except yeah. Drake and Jackson hate each other. But that's interesting. It is interesting, yeah. Uh, that's like, tension. It, professional like, it, they're all just romantic happy all maybe the time. sexual perhaps <laughs> who knows um repressed i wonder if what's his face doesn't no what's his name Drake? donaldson oh if donaldson had lived and like there's literal video of him killing Maud, so he's clearly would have probably he would probably have been convicted but if that video didn't exist do you think he would have been convicted? No. Probably I think not. maybe it then might have been for the best if you stabbed him with a sword. Like, that's why I was thinking, like, okay, he lucked out because his whole thing was photography. So there's pictures and video of him literally committing this crime. But Aberline mentions that he had gotten out of stuff before, like, exposing himself and doing all this gross stuff. Th- like, yeah. So 
assaulting I'm a pregnant of... woman. Yeah, just like gross. Um, being burned alive probably sucks a lot, and I don't feel bad for Crayon, but I do feel a little bad for Crayon. Yeah. I feel bad for that uh, recording machine. It was a one like a one of a kind thing. It was interesting that Reed to his face was like, regardless of whatever happens, this is a brilliant invention. Yeah. And like, yeah, and I thought it was like, cool. I have shamed myself, my intellect and my creation. And therefore we must both burn. Yeah. So the, the, the compliment from Reed was a weird thing. It'd be like if somebody invented teleportation to like break into houses and murder people. And then in the middle of the SWAT raid, one of the SWAT guys was like, Okay, you're going down, but this is fucking sick. Literally, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, again, I just at the end really liked it. He's like, you guys need to get over the Ripper because hopefully he's gone and we'll never see him again. So that was cool. Anyway, that's the end of my notes. I do have a quick question before we go into the PBS. Maddie or Mac, did you like the show? Were you interested? Yeah. I feel like it's not the top of my list of like things I need to watch, but um, I enjoyed it, and I would think about watching it again. And then I might even do it someday. <laughs> there's there's only like 35 episodes. It's not that long. So. It is doable, but it is dark. I guess. It will uh, take you on an emotional journey. <laughs> so, yeah. Alright. Any final thoughts? What's the PBS? Well, it's exactly as great as you thought it was. 13 to 3. (laughs) And two of those three are sex workers. Well, actually, Susan's more of a madam. Yes, she's a business owner. Yeah. (laughs) Emily is just a mother who's clearly in mourning for something because she's wearing all black. They don't establish she's a mother. You're right. She's a woman clearly in mourning. I wonder for what she's mourning. <laughs> she's I wonder how that. he got those scars. Damn mm. it. <laughs> it's fine. I think they talk about it like literally episode two. Yeah, it's a riverboat. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Maddie, what are your stabs and stars? Um, so stars, I would probably say like a seven. Pretty enjoyable. Um, but it didn't make me put down my frosted flakes, if you know what I mean. Um, and I think I do. So not more than good. You know, it was good, but it didn't make me go, wowza. Yeah, I got to put down my frosted flakes and concentrate on this. (laughs) You know, I mean, it would probably take it would take. A lot to get it would to take put down a lot my frosted get... flakes, yeah. So it's not necessarily an Hashtag insult. Sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag sponsor me. Um and Hashtag Tony the Tiger can get it. What? 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 Wow. Okay. That went somewhere I did not expect. You need some plain cornflakes in your life, son. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Kellogg. It's a very specific um, joke for very a certain type of person. Okay. Anyway, um, stabs. I would probably say like a seven as well. Six, seven. I feel like seven and seven. 
Yeah, seven and seven. We'll go with that. They followed some clues and they're like, hey, this counterfeit money. Let's go beat up this person and hope they know about it. And they didn't just happen to have that counterfeit money. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. All right. Carrie. Um, stabs seven. I would give them more, except as Maddie pointed out, they got a lot of their information from violence. Um, and stars eight. All right, Mac. I'm going to say stabs eight, just because I saw all of the connective tissue between like the different points that they were going to go. And I mean, um, no, I'm not going to defend any of the police violence stuff. That's shitty. Uh, stars eight out of 10. Good writing, good world building, good characters. Probably need more women, but hopefully they fix that later on. I'm not going to say that they do, but I do say that the women who are there have full complex storylines. All right. Good to hear. So. Um, for me, I think I would say eight stabs because I actually really like that they strictly follow the evidence and they don't just assume it's the Ripper and their big thing of figuring out who she is, is like the soot and the violin fingers. Like that's very specific and cool. That he, like, did this full autopsy and, like, figured out who she was by that. Um, And then Stabs. I actually would say... Or not Stabs. Stars. I think I would say seven. I probably would have said eight when I first watched it. But watching it... The propaganda is just really apparent. And... I think it's a well-written show. And I don't really want to ding it for that. But... Yeah. I'm going to say seven for now. So, all right. Well, if we don't have anything else further to talk about, what? I said I was mocking you. You were like, so, and I said, oh, very funny. Um, (laughs) So, if you would like to join us next time and have full context, what came out of the jar was a little show called Veronica Mars. So... We've decided we're going to be watching the pilot of Veronica Mars starting right at the beginning. So you can watch season one, episode one, if you want to follow along. Um, If there are any changes or any updates, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MostlyMurderPod. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at MostlyMurderButSometimesNot.com. And then if you want more show notes and photos and stuff, you can visit our website at MostlyMurderButSometimesNot.com. And that'll be it for us. So thanks for listening. And thank you. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thank you.